If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Back like we never left. It's your boy, Dale Lippin, in here with not the appetizer, not the dessert, but the entree himself, Trey Van Buskirk. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm okay. Um, dude, my back is so sore. It's yeah? so sore, Dale. Yeah. It's yeah. That, and why is that, Trey? Well, it's been three weeks of me carrying this fucking team, dude. Three weeks. <laughs> I knew it was coming. That's not true at all. Um, but, but here's the thing, right? As I will concede this is that you did do better than me last week, but you have to admit that the picks that we were divided on whenever we posted them online were ones that initially on the show that I admitted, I knew were high risk, high reward plays. No. And I appreciate that. We need to, we need to sprinkle in those high risk, high reward plays every so often. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to put money in people's pockets, brother. And I've been doing it for three weeks. There's a reason I'm wearing a red Hawaiian shirt tonight because I'm on fire, dude. I'm on fire. Well, let, 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 let's be fair here for a second, okay? The first week of this, we went we went perfect. That wasn't just you. Then the second week, you did a little bit better. Or no, we pushed. And then, boom, last week. All right? So admittedly, did not have the best week. But we're not going to dwell on your victory uh, because a victory for you, like I said, is a victory for us. It is. So it is. Here's here's where we are. But before we do all that, let's pay some bills real quick. All right, guys, listen. Uh, if you're gonna you know support the show in any way, shape, or form, we appreciate if you support the show by uh, heading out and checking out our sponsors, namely Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats has been fantastic. They are the pinnacle, and they're spearheading a lot of projects that are going to be coming down the pipe here very soon. So go to Stay Classy Meats, use promo code FIST, save yourself 10% on everything the store has to offer, uh, and be sure to let them know that the punch list sent you. Trey, Hawaiian shirt, I understand. I didn't wear the the, the Tombstone Taylor shirt uh, like, like I did last time, you know, just regular black t-shirt again. But if I wanted to wear some fire-ass duds, where would I, where would I purchase these things at? Yeah, absolutely. I'm still riding the high, kind of like the Hazmat Shemaev hype train. I'm still riding the Taylor Tombstone Allegiance punch list, you know, collab shirt going on. If you can't get your hands on what that sweet tea is, though, guys, go to allegianceclothing.com, type in the code punch. You're going to get 15% off site wide. All right. Big show tonight. We do have somebody joining us later on. Who, who's who's coming on later? Who's coming on later? Well, I'd probably... What the- <laughs> It's hard to it's hard to really put him in a certain category. I'd probably put him with the the Luke Rockholds, um, the Uriah Fabers, if you will. I'd put him in this this good looking kind of realm, wouldn't you say? Dude, he he is absolutely good looking. But yes, Drew Dober is coming on here later. Appreciate you bringing that to our attention, Sarah. You are going to have to look at us for about twelve minutes until <laughs> Drew gets in here. Feel free to go get yourself a drink or some popcorn in the interim there. But Trey, let's recap a little bit if we can while we're waiting for Drew to come online here. Um, let's recap a couple of the fights 
that happened this last weekend. Like you said, the Hazmat Shemaev hype train is in full bore right now. You know, the coal stacks burning. People are really excited about Shemaev. Did he show us anything in a fight like that? Did we really get to see anything outside of one-punch knockout power against, admittedly, a GM3 that looks scared shitless? My, My man looked terrified. Walking out to the octagon. I'm not sold. I'm not sold. There's not one piece of meat. I didn't learn anything. Now, granted, this goes into his book, the amount of strikes that he's taken. What is a culmination of like five strikes over the past four fights, uh, whatever it is. All I know is we didn't see anything. What we saw is a veteran, kind of like what we've seen um, in other prospects. We saw a deer in the headlights. We saw a guy that the limelight was much too big for his own stage, for his own foundation, got slept what really GM three lost that fight because of the limelight. He didn't lose that because of technique or style or aggressiveness or anything that we saw in Shemaev's tool belt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and here's, here's the thing. I let me, let me get your take on this real quick. John McCarthy went in and made a, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a stink online after that because the UFC is full bore, like I said, behind Shemayev now saying three guys in 66 days, fastest ever. And big John McCarthy says, let's not forget Hoist. Let's not forget Mark Coleman. Are we doing this modern era, old, old school style thing? Or is, you know, what can we expect here? Because I'm under the impression that beating three guys in one night is much more impressive than beating three guys in 66 days. You, you said it on our last show. The UFC is desperate for a new star. Mm. With Conor McGregor not in the picture, they need to do everything they can to put this guy up onto a pedestal. Pedestal, Outside of already solidifying a fight with Damian Maya coming in about a couple months, they're thinking about putting him on a Fight Island card. Do I really want to see that? I mean, sure, I'm a fight fan. I want to see it. But I just don't think that he has the, uh, the oil or the gasoline behind him that the UFC really believes that he can have. I just don't see it. Yeah, so the Maya fight's coming up. It will be on Fight Island. It's ready to go. But here's the other thing, too, is that we know, and I'm going to bring this up later on, too, Brazilians have not fared very well yeah. at Fight Island. So you're no. already tying one hand behind Damian Maya's back by having him go to Fight Island. We have seen that the Brazilians do not do well there. It's a really drastic time change for them. Um, so it's a, it's a different kind of animal. But we are going to Fight Island. We do have two title fights on the line. It is going to be a fantastic event. UFC 253 on pay-per-view this Saturday night. Here's the thing, right? And here here's the juice that I want going into this, right? Mm. Is that are we going to see some and new or are we going to see some and still? Don't give it away just yet. Not ready. What's, yeah. what, what's, what's the gut feeling here? Because I'm feeling like there's some and new in the air. I'm really feeling like some and new. Ah, man, it's it's really tough. I'm, I feel like right when we were getting out of the apex era, we were just starting to understand what type of fighter fares well and which one does actually better at Fight Island. One thing to your point, yes, Brazilians don't do very well on Fight Island. Brazilians predominantly have done extremely well in the apex center. Got a smaller cage. Now we're reverting back to a bigger cage. Those that like to work in the clinch, those that like to leave with their head first, you know, we saw a bunch of decisive knockouts in the apex cage. Are we going to see that again? Or are people going to utilize their footwork, work around the cage? I think that now we're going back into this era. Let's see what happens in Fight Island. But I do think that uh, the underdog has really kind of fared not so well in the in the at Fight Island. Let's see what happens going forward. Okay. I got some quick hitter questions for you. Cause like you said, you wanted that dragon energy out of me today. Need so I it. did a couple, I did a couple bumps, that booger sugar, that white girl, that bang, bang, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay. Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart. That was a split decision. Did you score it for Kevin Holland or did you score it for Darren Stewart? 
I did. I thought Kevin Holland started off a little bit slow, um, not into the rhythm that I wanted to see him in, but I thought through and through he landed a little bit more of the output. He had the more significant strikes. He should get the nod. Okay. Mackenzie Dern versus Random Marcos. Random Marcos jumped into the guard of Mackenzie Dern. True or false, dumbest fucking game plan you've ever seen in your life? 100%. Why would you do that with a jiu-jitsu world champ? This is what pissed me off about the Mackenzie Dern fight the most is do you give someone like Mackenzie Dern a performance bonus for a performance like that? I, I wouldn't. She did exactly what you expect her to do. So explain this to me then. I know we're going to get to this fight, or actually we're reverting back to the uh, prelims a little bit here, but how do you not give the you know low-key most gorgeous lady on the entire card a performance bonus, but you give Mackenzie Dern? Well, here's the thing, though, is you give Mackenzie Dern because Mackenzie Dern gets the star push. She gets the star push because of the accolades. Jessica Rose Clark, while admittedly more attractive looking, she's three <laughs> and two in the UFC. So you, you that you can't play the favorite like that it, outright. I mean, was it was it a better performance? Yes, um, it, it was a, a much more it was a much more convincing performance um but here's the thing though is that Mackenzie Dern there's she still has the hype behind her even with the year off from having the kids she still has the hype she's still getting the push so you give it to Mackenzie Dern you want her to stay around you don't want a chick like that to go to Bellator you don't want her to go someplace else uh, yeah I know but at the end of the day where are you giving where's the fine line between someone getting a performance bonus and another person Jessica uh, Rose Clark, that was the most violent fight we've ever seen on the planet. Now, admittedly, there was a huge refereeing issue in there, but it was violent. It was decisive. I mean, everyone was off their seat. Like, how is this going down? Versus Mackenzie Dern, did we all think she was going to win by submission? Absolutely. Snorefest. I just think, to your point, if they're going to try and retain a fighter, giving performance bonuses, sure, that's one way to retain them, but it's going to get rid of people like uh, Jessica Rose Clark. You're going to be like, I'm out. 50K? You didn't give me it for 50K? What else am I supposed to do? I push back on that a little bit. Um, I don't think I don't think Mackenzie Derns was that unimpressive. I think she did exactly what she needed to do against a veteran like Random Marcos. Going into that fight, Random Marcos had never lost two in a row. She'd alternated wins and losses throughout a UFC career that mm -hmm. spanned ten plus fights. That was a step up in competition that that Mackenzie Dern needed, and she got she did exactly what she needed to do. That's what you need to see out of your stars. They need to compete and do what you need them to do at the time you ask them to do it. She did exactly what she needed to do, and they gave her the performance bonus for it. Jessica Rose Clark, injury prone, weight issues. She came back. She looked good. I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know. I'm not going to fault her for the performance that she put forth. I'm not going to do that. However, I don't necessarily, was it worthy of a 50, 50 grand bonus? Probably, but we know that there's backstage bonuses that get awarded from time to time. And here's the other thing, right? Is that with a chick like Jessica Rose Clark, you have something with her where she has to be consistent. You can't just have her come in when we see people that fight inconsistently, they very rarely get those performance bonuses if they're not a star. She's got to right. be more consistent. We got to see her in the cage more. More than likely, she is going to receive some extra compensation. Don't forget, despite where she's at, and we're spending a lot of time here, but we are going to move on from it, is that despite all this, Jessica Rose Clark has some of the biggest sponsors in the game. Mm. Three and two in the UFC, but Triumph is a sponsor of hers and Monster are sponsors of hers. Not right. just anybody's getting Monster and Triumph. Those are yeah. huge sponsors, and she's getting them at three and two. Just, uh, Jessica Rose Clark's doing just fine. Doing just fine, Trey. All right. Johnny Walker, Ryan Spann. Were the elbows to the back of the head, yes or no? <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? Uh, John Jones said it perfectly. He said that was a great bar fight. That's exactly what it was. There was no technique. Back of the hand or back of the head elbows. 
course, dude, you're going to knock a dude out. Ryan Spann trying to go for a single right there. He was progressing the fight. He was putting the onslaught onto, onto Johnny Walker. For Johnny Walker to claim that a win, to kind of tout that, put it up on his pedestal, give me a break. They were suspect. I, I, I mean, I watched it again. I, it's hard to see. The Admittedly, the UFC failed us with angles right there. I'll give him benefit of the doubt. Ryan Spann shooting for a single after he rocks Johnny Walker. Not the, <laughs> not the smartest game plan. Again, a great bar fight, not much else. All right, we already talked talked about Hazmat. Cowboy Cerrone goes to a draw with Nico Price in a fight that Nico Price was winning outside of the double eye poke. I'm for taking money or I'm I'm for taking points off eye pokes. I think that referees should be quicker to take points. Cage grabs, hooking toes, grabbing the inside of gloves, um any of those things. I think it should be, you know, if you're in the back, right? If you're in the back whether it's boxing or it's MMA, any combat sport, you're in the back and the referee does his rounds and he comes up to you and tells you what his expectations or her him or her, they, they tell you what their expectations are for the fight, how they expect you to conduct yourself, what they expect out of you, obey my commands at all time. This is yeah. what I ask for, things that and the other. If you blatantly disagree with those or, or you blatantly disregard those, you've already had your warning. So when you get guys like Dan Murgliotta to go out there and say, warning, 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 yeah. warning, like a broken record, bro, you warn them in the back. So now when they go out and they do it, it's a wrap. Take a point. Take that point because it's, 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 it changes the the entire outcome of a fight. Blagoy Ivanov, Augusto Sakai, case in point. Yeah. It changes the outcome of a fight. Um, you know, he poked him in the eye. They took the point. It was a draw. It is what it is. Nico Price, in my opinion, won all three rounds of that yeah. fight. The only reason why it was a draw is because of the nine nine round in round one. Yeah, I think uh, for Cowboy, you know, and I don't want to you know shit on Cowboy by any means, but for him to have this defeatist mentality, like, oh my God, he got robbed, dude. You're so lucky you got poked in the eye twice because it went to a draw. Doesn't go down as a loss for you. I think the biggest loss that Cowboy's going to take is Dana White coming to the table and saying, "Hey, I need to sit you down, and I need to sit, you know, as we transition to the main car or the main fight of the night, Tyron Woodley down." You guys, you've done enough for the sport. Your accolades are there. You're going to stay in the record books. We're going to give you the gold Hall of Fame jacket, but we got to hang it up. Maybe. I mean, listen, I, it, and, you know, it, that was one of the things that I was worried about with Nico was that he was going to come in and show Cowboy too much respect. That was my biggest concern with him was he's going to be too respectful for, of Cowboy. Um, mm-hmm. And he, exa- he was exactly that. He was super respectful of Cowboy, uh, almost to the point where, like like the comments are saying, we did not have any killer instinct. So um, he was he was interested in making it a dog fight without actually trying to go for the kill. Uh, but it is what it is. I can see why Nico's happy. He went to a draw, and in his mind, that draw was actually a win because he lost the point. So he's excited thinking he beat a legend of the game. Cowboy's upset because it's a draw. Cowboy's the type of dude that wants he wants finality mentally. He wants yeah. to know whether he lost or he won. So having something like that with unfinished business on the table, that's the kind of thing that bugs a guy like Cowboy. All right. Main event, let's touch on this real quick. Hopefully, we'll get Drew in here in a minute. Um, let's talk about this real quick. Colby Covington, pillar to post, beats the hell out of Tyron Woodley, exactly like we thought it would. He took him down. He wrestled him in round one, uh, end of three, four, and five. It doesn't get any more embarrassing, in my opinion. No, it doesn't. And I think um, I think the biggest part that was kind of a bummer for me is the people coming out of the woodwork saying to Tyron Woodley's defense that, you know, in that standing guillotine, the first round, he popped it, that he didn't get a true fair fight against Colby. When I look at that, I think, okay, man, it doesn't even matter. The output was there. The onslaught was happening. You know, Tyron, we just see, we saw another tired, 
honestly, when I was watching that fight, I just saw even just from a facial emotion, he just didn't want to be there again. We saw that in the Gilbert Burns fight. We've seen that time and time again. He didn't want to be there. He's done enough for the sport. I think Dan is right to take him to the table and figure out what's next. I think you give him one or two and you give him a good send off, give the guys diligence. I mean, due diligence. He's one of the best welterweights of all time. And I mean, I think you, you, you have to do it that way, but yeah, let's talk about what some of the, some of the best fighters on the planet earth. If we can in the queue show producer, Jake from the clouds, come down, if you will, and put this dude in my, in, in, in my feed right now. So I can see him. No, not him. There he is. Oh, <laughs> what's up, what's hey. up, brother? What's going on, man? Just kind of resting after uh, sparring at Team Elevation uh, to get ready for some more training tomorrow. Yeah. How's everything been? I mean, obviously, you're going to say that everything feels great and all that kind of stuff. But legitimately, let me ask the, the basic question like I can. How are you feeling? What's going on? How's camp? I feel incredible. I mean, I enjoyed a little bit of an off season over the summer. Uh, finally got uh, a fight schedule with, with Diego. Uh, camp is pretty much starting off where uh, the last one left uh, left off. So yeah, it's feeling great, honestly. Uh, I was actually just talking to my nutritionist today. It's like the only thing that's making me nervous is the fact that I'm not nervous. It's like everything is just going picture perfect. And so I'm just kind of waiting for the hiccups. Right. So, so, so Drew, I noticed right there you said, I'm waiting for my fight with Diego. You chose to leave his last name out. I need to hear you say Diego's last name. I want to hear it with the accent and everything. So, no joke. I've been practicing. <laughs> okay. Fajera. 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 I'm struggling again. Sounds good to I'm, me. I'm just over here saying Ferreira. And I was like, okay, wait. <laughs> I don't think I'm saying it correctly, but I, I'm just butchering names. <laughs> <laughs> Well, nice. Well, he, he looks like, I mean, based on his social media, he looks like he's in camp too. Um, he's looking, you know, towards that November 7th date. It looks like out, um, especially at team elevation, you're dealing with a bunch of different weather patterns there. You've got hot weather one day, you've got snow in another. What's going on? Is that affecting your guys' training at all? Or are you pretty consistent? Oh, not at all. Uh, I mean, I think we're kind of used to it. Uh, in preparation for my last fight in May, I mean, Justin Gaethje and I went into an empty gym with no air conditioning, no heat, no nothing, right in the middle of winter. Uh, I I just remember how, it was so cold sparring Justin Gaethje. He even <laughs> said his toes went numb. So at this point, like, <laughs> we've already been through the worst. Now, like, gyms are slightly open. The heat is on. Uh, the lights are on. And so sparring – Regardless of how the weather is going, it's it's pretty comfortable. Nice. Let me ask you this, because I know we're in camp right now, and this is really the question I think everybody wants to know when it comes to this fight, Drew. Is that are you aware that Diego's a black belt? Um, I mean, I heard he wears black belts. Uh, I wasn't quite <laughs> sure what that even meant. I have a couple of my own. I have brown and tan and beige as well. Uh, no, <laughs> of course, like, I mean, I, I, I've seen his performances. I know what he's capable of. And, uh, uh, I'm a brown belt in jujitsu myself. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm just doing the necessary training sessions for this particular opponent. I, it's been one of my favorite things. And whenever you post something or going into the comment sections of, of the fight announcement posts where people are like, Diego's a black belt in jujitsu as if you did not know this. Uh, and then, and then you put that story post up the other day. It was either you or it was on the team elevation account where you guys were talking about the belts, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Like as if you weren't thinking of these things prior to the matchup even being made. 
I know. I mean, I appreciate people's opinion and, and point of view on what I should and should not be doing. But I mean, let's be honest. They're commenting this because I'm only posting striking videos because why would I want to post videos of me rolling around with some other dudes? Right. Striking is so much more fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so so I, I was looking I went back and watched a couple of Diego's fights and I watched the Tyson mob fight. And he's a guy that no joke will get in your face and lead with his head a little bit. Um when you're working on your striking, are you kind of knowing that that's going to happen or is it going to be a little bit more from distance? Right. I mean, I've seen Diego's fights. I've seen where um, he runs into some things. I, I've seen where he's actually super tough and very comfortable. Um, and so I got that a general idea. Now is uh, I'm watching film on my last performance with uh, Alexander Hernandez and the mistakes that I made in that fight that would actually complement or make Diego comfortable in his next fight. So I'm just trying to change the, the way I strike, the way I move, um, both in grappling and striking to where uh, Diego's not going to feel comfortable. He's going to be constantly looking for that deep breath, that fresh air that where he feels safe and I'm not going to give it to him. And uh, I've been focusing more on what I need to improve as a person and less on, uh, you know, what Diego's doing for me. Perfect. Let me ask you this. Cause I, this was something that we, you know, I've been hounding you online for weeks now, right? Almost I would go so far as to say months. I've I've been I've been in your face much like your uh, your game plan for Diego here. We narrowed it down. Uh, I was taking shots in the dark here. We narrowed it down to Gregor, Ally Quinta, and Diego. Outside of the, uh, Diego, were any of those other two close, or were you just completely messing around with me here? Were, were you close on any? If I'm going to be completely honest, man, we've been looking at Diego for all of 2020. <laughs> that was literally the only guy that I've been trying to fight for this entire year. And I feel like UFC was on the same page. It was like, all right, well, these guys are going to fight one month or one day out of this year. And, uh, man, that's kind of what we've been doing, you know. Between Diego and I, we've been trying to just figure out what would the best time for us to fight. Gotcha. So you're jovial, and you said you, you you and Diego were trying to figure it out. So no animosity, no no bad blood here, nothing like that. Just a guy in the way of a goal. Is that what we're? Is that the mentality here? Right. I mean, extreme competition. Like this guy is uh, on paper. It seems to be my kryptonite, and uh, you know uh, he's been knocked out by Dustin Poirier. So on paper, it looks like I'm his weakness as well. So. You know, the, the bad blood or whatever kind of comes from this uh, the serious competition of like both him and I want to prove that we're capable of, uh, you know, the top five, you know, in the lightweight division and that we've we've cleaned up the, the holes in our games in the past. So um, as far as him as a person, yeah, I don't really see, uh, you know, any animosity to him as a person or his personality. But as far as like him being in my way of this top five, then, yeah, get a little, you know, animosity there. So have we figured out, is this fight uh, an extension of Fight Island or is this going to be back in Apex? Have they given you a location? Um, it's most likely being Las Vegas. Okay. I think uh, they want to keep us in the United States and thank God because I don't want to deal with the flight and the quarantine of the Fight Island. I feel like you of all people, though, would want to be on the Fight Island poolside, dude, just like chilling after your fight. Come on. <laughs> I mean, there's there's pools and good weather in Las Vegas and – uh, I mean, I booked my uh, Cancun trip for post-fight, so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be on a beach somewhere. It just this time I'm going to actually eat food and not cut weight. There you right. go. There so, you go. the smaller cage at the apex are we are we are we factoring that in? I mean, how does that? Do you think that's going to play any factor? You know, positive or negative? I mean, you know, I'm asking the stereotypical questions because 
one, I haven't heard you answer them yet. And two, I just honestly just I'm curious here. But do you feel like that small cage is going to play a difference, especially with a guy that, you know, you're going to want to utilize footwork to stay away from? Um, I think it'll pose something. I don't know how significant it's going to be. I mean, I don't, I don't think that the size of the cage has ever crossed my mind in a fight. You know, I fought in rings and cages and even like cage versions of rings like and it, it's never right it's just odd things and it's never really crossed my mind i think that um having it um in a smaller cage is going to make the fight more entertaining right less running around less dancing and uh i mean in, all, in this fight diego pressure pressures forward i pressure forward i don't think the cage is going to make a huge difference because we're going to meet in the center and make this fight entertaining right are you going to switch up the walkout song for this fight mm. I don't know. I've been really digging Montel Jordan. I mean, I, I tuned <laughs> every once in a while, but man, the last couple of times I've been really enjoying it. And, you know, that the Nazareth fight, like when the song came on and I felt that buzz in the audience, I'm like, oh man, I think this is it. I think this is a forever one. So, man, I've been keeping it and it puts me in the right mindset, the, the right feel. You know, if I'm not smiling and dancing, uh, something is wrong. So I got to get in that mindset to perform at my best. <laughs> yeah, definitely been a lot of dancing lately on the walkouts and, and yeah. things of that nature. Um, so did you get a chance to watch any of the I mean, so much has happened since the last time, you know, that you and I have spoken, uh, in particular in the in the lightweight division. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Justin's big win and just all of this stuff going on. I mean, the lightweight division is is a, a, a murderer's row. It's it's a, a shark pool, if you will. So um, you know, somebody commented earlier, a rematch with, with, with Benil would be great. Obviously you're looking at Diego. Um, you know, Justin's got a massive fight coming up team elevation doing, you know, crazy things right now. What's obviously with Diego's there, but what's the future looking like, man? I mean, you're big, you're, you're big on game plan. So what's the game plan here? Yeah. I mean, well, first off, I just want to say, I'm so grateful to be a part of such a division. I mean, if I'm here to make a legacy of fantastic fights, this is the, the division to do it in and uh yeah. and i could move up to welterweight and fight but man it just i'm just not excited to, yeah, at the welterweight division man lightweight is where it's at and uh man game plan goes take one fight at a time but uh i mean i want they just signed michael chandler uh they have dustin poirier tony ferguson all these guys are just like incredible fighters like just fun and entertaining and get in your face and stay in your face and these are the type of fights that i want and so i'm gonna have to get past the grapplers uh, early in or further down that list so I can get up to those guys and just really throw down and have fantastic fights. Um, so, I see. What is it? Yeah. Saying, me fighting Gaethje. I mean, we fight every Tuesday and Friday at team elevation. So, you know, once <laughs> that's, a, that's a super gym, valid question though. Like, I mean, we're, we see that right now with Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns. If that ever presented itself, is there kind of like a, you know, under the cover, we would never do that thing. Or is it, like, hey, game on. We're both looking for a title here. I mean, that's honestly something that, you know, when the time comes, I mean, there's still a lot of time, right? A lot of time, right. a lot of fights. Uh, but like, let's just say if uh, Gaethje does hold the title and I'm number one contender, that is something Gaethje and I are going to discuss at the gym. Like, you know, <laughs> are we going to – because I mean, he fought Donald Cerrone, and they were kind of buddies too. And so we'd have to look at each other like, all right, are we going to entertain fans? And if so, how are we going to do this? If we don't feel comfortable with it, then – you know, I just I'll just keep knocking away top com contenders until he vacates the belt. But who knows? I mean, God, I'm a huge fan of Gagey, so I'd much rather not be on the receiving end of those punches. <laughs> right. So uh, you said the name that I I, I, I just I, 
I put the hook on with the bait, and you said, dude, Michael Chandler, the, yes. a massive shakeup to an already killer division. Um, you know, obviously that's a guy that you want to put on your short list if you're trying to make some noise. You know, when when you heard that he was testing free agency, was that something that you're sitting there going, uh, you know, damn, that would be fun. You know what I mean? Because he's just been – he's such a staple of, of the sport and has been for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's kind of a weird situation in the fact that uh, the people that I want to fight are the ones that I love the most. Like these guys are like Dustin Poirier, huge fan of this guy. I would love to compete against him. And uh, I've been a fan of Michael Chandler's for a long, long time uh, back when like he competed in the tournament uh, or when he fought uh, Caveman Rickles. And so I'm mean, just watching his style, watching his movement. I even followed on Instagram like years ago. Huge fan of him. So then once they announced that, you know, he's finally signed by the UFC, he's going to compete with the top 10 or top five or whoever he's going to compete with. I'm now thinking this is a guy that I'm probably going to fight within the next year or two. Like this is definitely a guy that we're, we're fighting. So uh, it's not if, or if I want it or when is it, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what was really weird is, you know, one, did he, he made a massive splash, obviously, you know, signing with the UFC, but to immediately become a backup, for Khabib and and Justin, is, is Justin looking at that by any means as to like, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, the intricacies of what he's doing in camp, but is he looking at that like, God God forbid this falls through, I'm going to take some film study on him or no? Uh, I don't think he's looking at it right now. I think, um, in all honesty, I think Khabib and Gaethje are going to be healthy and ready to go in the fight. Um, however, in my opinion, I think Michael Chandler's an easier fight uh, more simpler, right? Like Khabib's mm-hmm. one of those like unmove, like just unstoppable forces, and and Chandler, I think his uh, his style complements Gaethje's, and so it, I think if that changed, it'd be better for Gaethje, but I don't see it happening. Um, I think honestly, right now we need to start seeing the UFC pay these top fighters more to see them compete against each other because Ferguson, Fourier, or Chandler and Ferguson, or man, like just any of those guys, like that would be incredible. So let's make the money, like let's pay the money and uh, let's see it happen. It's one of the things that bugs me when I see stuff like that. I, I, I hate that, you know, and hate's a strong word, but I, I strongly dislike whenever money becomes a factor in something like that. When you have two willing combatants that are wanting to do it. And you know, are knowingly putting something forth for the fans and for themselves. So, you know, to prove to themselves who's the better fighter. I, I hate that money can get in the way of that. Um, you know, you've always been super respectful uh, of the UFC and, and, and everything, and your management group and everything like that. You know, in your experience, is that something that happens more often than we get? Do we do we get to see, or is it one of those things where it's just the upper? echelon guys that are bringing it to the table it's hard because you know as fighters in this new sport we're not getting paid as much as boxers not getting paid as much as any other uh you know um athlete professional athlete and uh i mean we're putting our health on the line more often than most for a short period of time Mm -hmm. so money is very significant because we just want to make as much of it as possible so that we can no longer get punched in the face anymore um, but yeah, so I'll say there, there will be a change. I'm, I've been always satisfied with the UFC and my management and the money I receive. And I think the trend is on like uphill. So we're going to keep seeing people make more and more money. So, uh, I'm not dissatisfied, but I would like to see more money 
paid to these athletes that deserve it. Like Dustin Poirier, man, he's just been having incredible fights back to back to back to back. And so when he asks for more money, I think he's one of the guys that deserve it. So, so yeah, just pay just, the man. Yeah, yeah seriously. Just pay the man. I mean, he's not asking for tens of millions, I don't think. But even still, like you said, to your point, and, and you know, we have some boxing people in the chat too, is that, you know, boxers get paid significantly more than a lot of the, the upper level MMA guys. Um, but when you look at the viewership numbers, the, the scale or the seesaw is clearly teetered in the other direction. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, I, I see it in the, it's a great segue right here um, in the chat is we have a guy saying about the Venom deal. So with the Venom deal, have they discussed anything with the transition away from Reebok, what that Venom deal looks like as far as advanced compensation with sponsors or anything like that? Can we get a punch list logo on your shorts? Like we just had two weeks ago. Is that an option now? What can we do here? I don't know. Uh, I mean, most of this is all conjecture of what I think might happen. I think we're going to go back to the same, you know, instead of Reeboks, it's going to say Venom. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed that the pay will increase. Um, but, I mean, we're still in the dark about it as, as athletes. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So let's stop talking about money for a second because I don't want to talk about that anymore. Well, let's, wait, wait. Let's... I, I did want to ask him about one more <laughs> I, money question. I tried to get away from it, Drew. I tried. Drew, Drew, you – you put out a money photo, dude. And this is a great segue. You is it the a, one that you guys put on the promo? Yes. You had a stogie in one hand. You were in a wicker chair. It looked like you had like a Moscow mule or something to your left. I want to understand, one, what was in that cup? And two, do you have a couple drinks during camp or are you just stone cold sober the entire time? Um, so I'm a wine drinker. So I think what okay. you saw was my copper tumbler that yes. had uh, some sort of Riesling or Chardonnay in it or something like that. Oh, there you um, go. <laughs> I try to avoid alcohol while in camp. However, um, I will make like have a glass of wine here or there, but. Okay. There so are, are you, are you the type of guy that's like swirling the glass and getting like the notes of cherry and burnt oak and all that kind of stuff? Or are you just no, I'm the type of guy that has two versions of box wine in my house currently. Oh. And, like, <laughs> I want to be a snob. Like, I enjoy all kinds. And so like, I'm just not that particular, you know, like I like reds and whites and I don't know. Other than that, like it's not that snobby, like whatever house wine just that's it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So we were talking about prior to, uh, prior to you hopping on, we were talking about this hazmat Shemaev guy, right? Uh, the, the, this ver, you know, proverbial wrecking ball that's going over 185, 170, something like that. Um, you know, as far as challenges on the horizon, you know, if things get conjected at 155, if they get smashed up, you know, do you see guys like this that are getting the hype elsewhere in different divisions, knowing you can make that weight? Do you look at them and go, eh, I can maybe hop that weight and make that fight happen? I mean, that would be a, a great step up in competition for him, for sure. And you get to capitalize on some of that meteoric rise. Is that when you see guys getting that sort of push, is that something that you pay attention to? Um, it's something I pay attention to, not in the fact that like I will compete against him. I probably don't think that's that's gonna happen. Um, I do see like because my best friend's Neil Magny, and I was like, that's a great fight for you. Like, why don't you take that? And so him and I will discuss about the potential of him fighting, you know. Um, but it's more so I like watching the the marketing, right? Because the UFC chooses guys that they want to push. 
and uh you know they do it in specific ways and uh it's kind of interesting kind of learning how they pick fighters how they market them um what's the idea and, and that kind of stuff because the ufc has an idea for you know most are athletes you know when they look at me or diego or you know whoever they have an idea of like who they want to push who they want to you know reserve you know how they're going to push him and stuff like that and so as a fighter um, you got to find, you know, what's your marketability and you got to sell it hard. And that's kind of what all fighters need to do. And I think this, uh, this Russian fighter has found it. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Listen, I, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because like you said, you're a guy that can go a couple different ways. I mean, you're thick with three C's for 155. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> 170 at some point in time, again, you don't want to talk about your weight. That's fine. We're not going to talk about the weight and we won't talk about it. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about the log jam that is 155 right now, Justin. And, you know, we got Khabib coming up. And then you versus Diego. Michael Chandler's in the mix. Everything's going great, man. And you've got this you, you've got this great camp at Team Elevation. I just want to give you an opportunity to brag on Team Elevation for a second. Yeah. Uh, you guys have been crushing it. We've said it time and time again on our show. When we see a Team Elevation fighter, we're going with Team Elevation regardless of the odds mm -hmm. because you guys are absolutely killing it right now. So, you know, just sort of walk us through, you know, if you would, what the environment's like there. I know you've said at, at, you know, to no end how happy you are there, but just, you know, I'll let you brag on your people for a second, man. If, if, uh, I mean, it, it's super simple. And the, the reason I moved to Colorado Butte with a uh, team elevation, it's something that I haven't seen in any other gym and that's camaraderie. That's, you know, the first day I was on the mat and I have previously fought guys on team elevation. Uh, the coaches were helping me, motivating me, and encouraging me to show up the next day. And uh, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not just a piece of meat. And like, they're just like guiding me and helping and like giving me pieces of like, you know, technique that like I can just take home to my gym or whatever. Like they just, they weren't conservative. They weren't hiding. They were just like, yeah, we're going to help everybody. Like who cares? And then upon joining them, I realized that that camaraderie uh, goes to everyone. Like we have many coaches, we have many teammates, we have guys coming in and out of our gym and uh, we treat everyone the same right we look out for each other we want everyone to do well uh i mean justin gaethje and i are, are in the same weight class close to you know being ranked you know together and stuff like that but like man i'm doing everything i possibly can to help him prepare for his fight and vice versa man he was showing up uh before he even was scheduled to fight ferguson was showing up for practice just as far me and it's just one of the things where like you know usman can bounce in and out of team elevation and we're here to help the coaches are not trying to own athletes they're trying to guide athletes. And so you find the coach that you're comfortable with and, you know, other guys aren't getting offended by that. And uh, I think team elevation is doing so well because the help and guidance is authentic. It's not one man beats another man up to get ahead. Everyone's basically lifting each other up. That's amazing. So from a mental coach perspective, it sounds like outside of just actually sparring and technique and stuff like that, it goes much deeper. Oh, incredibly. I mean, even though like the regional guys and it's just, and I just, uh, you know, uh, Vinny Lopez, which is um, uh, a striking coach for Austin Hubbard and a couple other uh, Curtis blades. And uh, I mean, I was just talking to him today and we're just bouncing technique off each other. And like, he was telling me stuff to, I should maybe think about what's sparring and I was telling him stuff, you know, talking about Austin and, you know, he doesn't own me. Like he's not my coach, but he's still on the mat helping everybody out. And that's kind of what I found the difference with team elevation is just, no one's hiding information. No one's trying to own you. Everyone's just guiding each other and helping. And, and that's, that's honestly creates this atmosphere of success. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So 
we were going to try to get you on the show earlier, but you had uh, contender series duties uh, mm-hmm. cornering. What yeah. was that experience like? What was, you know, seeing that sort of nuanced little, you know, far removed from the days of the ultimate fighter. Now, now we have Dana White contender series. Um, you know, what's that whole, that whole vibe like there in, in that, that production? Uh, I mean, one, I think it was cool because I got to see uh, what the UFC is doing in Las Vegas uh, as far as the quarantine and, and the testings and all the restrictions. So it was kind of like a little uh, appetizer to what I'm going to experience in November. Yeah. Um, but uh, Contender Series, I mean, they they help these athletes, you know, get noticed and and, uh, you know, present them on stage, you know, and take care of them. Um, they also give the incentive that like, hey, if you like this, you win your fight, you get a contract, you get much, much more. And so they still get like leave a little bit of hunger in it. And uh, uh, man, what I love the most is man, these guys are hungry. Like these fighters are coming in. And that's what I loved about regional promotions. And everyone's fighting to win. Nobody's fighting not to lose. Like these guys are just giving everything. And, you know, the guy I cornered, Muhammad Naimov, you know, unfortunately didn't win his fight. But man, he just gave everything he possibly had, you know, with a two week notice fight camp. And this is what I love about the contender series is like these guys are trying to earn something try to take something and you know and uh and it just it just reminds me of just the good old days of trying to earn that spot in the ufc and just how much energy and excitement that it, you know you put into it yeah and it, yeah. it seems like it's it's a full-on emotional experience and we you know we had laura sanko on she was talking about that everyone has a story um but you really start to see those emotions not everyone tries to compartmentalize when you're fighting obviously emotion from technique just to get the fight going but i think that it exudes so much was any of um, of your of your partners uh, family or anyone in there? I know that the in that Apex Center you can have family up in the Raptors. Was anyone there to support, or is it just low key team elevation and that's it? Yeah, it was just him and uh, his two coaches, which you know, so him, Oscar, and I were just there, so no family and stuff like that. But I do have to say, I, I gotta love the 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 amount of buildup they have on each particular fighter. You know, I think you know, to gain new fans or to, you know, broaden the, the ratings, uh, having that, that, um, personal, uh, yeah. video that you can get to know these athletes really makes for exciting fights because you watch the Rocky movies, how much of it is actual fighting, you know, everyone <laughs> just loves that story of like, you know, pre and post and, you know, everything else. And so this definitely gives an outlet to these fighters to really get known and, and really, like I said, use the marketing, learn how you can sell yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Speaking yeah. of a story, no, I was gonna say, speaking of a story, November seventh, like we said with you and Diego, they don't have a main event booked for that card yet. Are they in talks of making your fight the main event, or are they saying that they're going to book a main event? Can we? Can give, give me that smile. <laughs> Dude, tell me you're going to be the main event. I, mean, I, I wish I could help journalists and like give more information, but to be honest, you guys know as much as I do. Like, <laughs> I find out when I'm fighting when I arrive. Like, oh, it's four o'clock. Okay, I'll fight them. Like, it's so funny that, like, a lot of the news that I receive on my own performances or fights or whatnot comes from Twitter or mm. Instagram. Like, oh, turns out I'm fighting, or oh, it turns out, like, it's going to be in Vegas, or it turns out, like, so I know when you guys know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. So well, I'm, I'm rooting for the main event spot. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start pestering as many people as I can and see if we can't make that happen. Uh, That'd be incredible. Yeah. One thing I did ask, and, and you've deftly maneuvered around my questions as you, mm-hmm. as you do, you're, you're very skilled with the footwork uh, verbally and inside the octagon. Do you want to help us break down a couple fights tonight? Oh man, I'm God awful at it, but let's do it. Okay. Perfect. Yes. 
Yes. All right. Excellent. I was worried about it because, you know, teammates and, and, and all this kind of stuff, but you don't have anybody, no lightweights on the main card, but let's, uh, Trey, do you want to you want to do prelims down or let's let's just get, let's do main event. Let's go backwards here. Let's go backwards. Let's, Actually, right. this, is, this is a perfect one to start with. And the reason <laughs> I say that is because I feel like Drew, of all people, you're looking at Paulo Costa and saying from a body perspective, you're like, <laughs> Nate Diaz, you took everything I work for, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. Uh, like, I feel like I'm the Paulo Costa lightweight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, kicking off the main event, nineteen and O, Israel Adesanya uh, versus Paulo Costa, thirteen and O. The O has got to go for somebody. I, I'll let you. I'll concede. I'll let you go first. The guest, the fighter. You, how do you see this fight playing out, man? What do you think is going to happen? Ah, uh, and again, I'm so got awful at this stuff. But from what I can see, um, I can see it'd be a tough first round for um, a stylebender. I think. Um, you know, with his fight with Kelvin Gastelum, I think just that athleticism, he kind of has to, like, find that rhythm, that groove. Um, the only issue I see is Costa is pretty fundamental. Like, he's very athletic. His boxing is great. But I think he's very fundamental. And once uh, Stylebender gets in his groove and finds that rhythm, I, I think he's going to start touching him up. And, uh, you know, if it's not a, a TKO or a KO in the later rounds, I think it's a Stylebender by decision. See, I like what you said there because yeah, I know you didn't do the research on it, but you're already leaning in the same direction I'm leaning. The over-under on this fight is at two and a half rounds, mm. and I think that the over in this is a great play. Uh, I definitely see it going over two and a half rounds. I think uh, Adesanya is going to try to take that first round and just sort of feel out Costa and make Costa work harder than he needs to. In the second round, I think that the pace will probably you know pick up as they start to engage one another, and then you know things will take over from there. What my concern is for all of these guys – uh, or, or for both of these, I'm concerned about Adesanya's accuracy versus his ability to maneuver away from Costa. He's got to stay away from him while remaining accurate. We haven't seen Adesanya fight off the back foot, and we do know that Costa is going to move forward. So that's th- that's my big question mark here. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't seen him fight off his back foot, nor have we actually seen him on his back, and nor have we really seen Paulo utilize any singles or doubles to get things to the ground. I think that people are starting to look at Izzy like this guy. He's this he's this modern-day Anderson Silva, McGregor, precision striking. But when you've got a guy like Paula who's going to be leading forward and willing to take 15 shots to land one, we've seen Izzy, uh, Kelvin Gaslam fights a great, great analogy for that. He was a guy that took a lot of damage in that. Is Kelvin the same type of strength and possesses the same amount of power that Paulo has? I don't know. So – if he can land, like you're saying, Drew, I totally could see him picking him apart and uh, throwing Paulo off his rhythm, but it's a lot of damage he's going to have to take, and the precision's got to be really on point. So let's dial it in. Drew Dober, your very first official pick on the <laughs> on Punch List MMA. Yeah. Oh, man, who are we going with, Stylebender or Paulo Costa? A Stylebender. Trey? I'm going to go Costa on this one. I'm going Costa, too. I love oh, it. Man. I love it. I love it. No, here's the thing. Super nervous in this fight. I've been on I've been on Costa from the jump though. Here, uh, yeah. With that, with that statue of David body, there's no way that dude can lose. 
I feel like you guys are going for him for the sheer fact that he's shirtless most of the time. I have no listen. That's all Trey. (laughs) A compliment about no shirt. That's all Trey. All right. (laughs) Vacant light heavyweight belt. As you know, John Jones stepped away. Jan Blahovitz taking on Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes twelve and one. Jan Blahovitz at twenty six and eight, touting the Polish power coming off that knockout win over Corey Anderson uh, just a few short months ago. 205 pounds is, is extremely interesting now that John Jones is no longer there. These guys are obviously bigger than each and every one of us. Um, you know, any experience with either one of these guys or guys that have fought them, Drew, and any insight as to how you think this fight's going to go down? Um, yeah, uh, Dom Reyes uh, bounces in and out of uh, team elevation. And so I've had the uh, privilege of sparring with him. And, uh, man, he's just really athletic. Uh, just super like he should be playing other sports like he's just so athletic but I mean he wants to fight and uh, you know if you if you want to trade like toughness and skill and all that stuff I think Dom Reyes is gonna gonna take that fight just with athleticism you know I think he he moves extremely well for 205 he hits hard he's accurate um and, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I can't speak of his training camp uh, with the gym he's at now, but I'm assuming he's he's getting better technically. Um, I definitely put my money on him. Trey, what um, do you got? Well, first off, I think this line is super, super disrespectful. Um, I think that Jan 100% has a, has a chance in this fight at plus 220. That's super aggressive. I think um, one thing that I would hope, and maybe this is something you saw, Drew, um, when he bounced into team elevation, is uh, I would hope that, uh, Dominic would start to utilize a little bit of like takedowns. We saw Jan fare not too well against Corey Anderson and obviously uh, Alexander Gustafsson. When he's t- taken down, he can pose almost as like a wet blanket. There's he's not getting back up. Um, he is a heavy-handed striker, but if Dom, like you said, when we all know, is extremely athletic, if he can have that vulnerability of, or I'm sorry, that um, that ability to go on the ground and keep it up on his feet, move around the cage and, you know, weather the storm, which is going to be within that first, you know, two and a half rounds. I think that Dom's going to get it done. What? You're out of your mind, dude. Stop shaking your head. I cannot (laughs) disagree with you more on this fight. I wanted to hear your logic on it, but now that I know it, oh my gosh, get ready. This is going to be a, it's going to be a Drew Dober Nazrat beatdown. Listen to me when I tell you, (laughs) you're talking about, you're talking about Jan Blahovitz who you said he's he's you said you're saying he's not good on the ground. You're talking about a guy that has all he's got unlimited submission potential. Unlimited. He the dude Corey got, Anderson, Gustafsson. Go back to those fights and tell me what happened. He knocked out Corey Anderson. No, he was wet blanketed by Corey Anderson. He knocked all him right. out in the first round, Trey. No. My thought is is that I'm gonna allow this fight to go to the ground to begin with. Yeah, probably not. I, probably not. We can talk about the jujitsu, uh, you know, talent, but I don't see the fight coming going to the ground because I'm, I'm pretty sure Dom's not taking it there. I don't. I don't think so either. Anyway, what I was going to say is the X factor in this fight is going to be kicks. Dom has used utilized great kicks, and then if you look back and watch some of uh, Jan's first fights in the UFC, he really utilized body shots, body kicks, and he's been implementing that low calf kick recently that we've been seeing be so much, or, or people are having so much success with is that low calf kick. I think Blahovitz might come out and try to beat up the legs of Reyes to stop the lateral movement because we've seen that Reyes fights really well going off the back foot. He's really, really adept at that. If you look at his some of his wins, they've come at the hands of walking backwards. He can stop, plant, pivot, throw that left hand right down the pipe and put you to sleep. 
Blahovitz is going to have to stop that lateral movement in doing so. I think he's going to utilize some leg kicks. I like Blahovitz here. I'm taking him at plus two twenty, man. That's a that's a worthwhile bet in my in my book, man. I'm taking him. I'm taking him, Trey. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good for you. All right. You did this last yeah, week, by the way, Drew. He went on a bunch of flyers on underdogs. Why don't you tell Drew how that went for you, brother? We did. We did. A, listen, we did a heads up competition last week. Trey fared slightly better than I did. But slightly. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he, he fared better than I did. But you, you already know. You, you know. Listen. You, you have to give these people something every once in a while. You have to have parity, and, and you know, when somebody dominates for so long people lose interest there's got to be parody in it so that's that's where we're at all right let's go let's go from the, some of the biggest of the big to the smallest of the small kai car france take at 21 and 8 taking on brandon royval who just recently quit his job uh so that he could be a full-time fighter at 11 and 4 coming off that submission win over tim elliott uh basically a two-to-one underdog here drew I mean, I don't know what your experience level is uh, or if you've watched these guys fight very much. Any thoughts uh, on the on these lightweight or these flyweight guys going after it here? God, I'm really going to be reaching on this one because uh, I, I think I've seen Brandon Revolve fight. Uh, he only fought once in the UFC, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I didn't watch that fight. Um, however, man, uh, Kai Franks, uh, God, he, he's with a great team. He's super talented. Uh I mean, I could see him just uh, taking this fight, you know, either decision or I mean, he's, he's known to knock people out. So possibly there, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if I was a bed man, I'd put my money on him. Going, going heavy chalk on the minus 240. Let me ask you this, because you're a great person to ask this to, because you come from a large camp. Um, you've got city kickboxing here. They've got five representatives from the same gym fighting on this card. Trey and I are really big on – the idea of the domino effect that once the lead horse falls, it's very hard for the rest of the team to maintain momentum and win fights after they start seeing a teammate lose you coming from an extensive thing like that. You fought on other cards with team elevation guys, but it's always gone favorably for you. Have you had any instances where it hasn't gone favorably for a person and you guys have had to adapt because you win so damn much. I just want to make sure whether or not that's something that's actually happened. Oh, I mean, uh, man, I've actually had an amateur card where it was like a dual format where my entire team was fighting an entire other team. And mm-hmm. so, like, we had, like, a guy fighting every single fight. Uh, but no, I was just the mental of the athlete. I, you know, you could see your buddy lose and then get disheartened, or you can see your buddy lose and get motivated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting after it because I need to make up for my, my buddy taking his loss. So, yeah. Uh, I don't see a difference. I, I think it all just comes down to the, the mentality of the individual athlete. Um, so, you know, we can, you know, you see one guy lose and the other guy just go out there and go nuts and win his fight just because you had a sheer motivation. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Trey, I'm going to go super chalky here for the sake of time. I think I was originally, I was originally on Roy Vall here. I know you're on Roy Vall, um, but I'm going to go Kai Cara France here. I'm going to take him at the minus two forty. Wow. Okay. Um, I swayed, yeah. I swayed him. Yeah, he did. He's fickle. Yeah, he, all he did was smile too. That was weird. Um, so uh, I'm going to Roy Val, and the reason I say this, you guys forget, he's a you know former LFA champ. Um, he has experience behind him. While Kai Car France, I think, is a more technical striker. Uh, Drew, to your point, yes, his one win was as of recently. That was back in May against uh, Tim Elliott. Choked Tim Elliott out, who's you know an absolute um, 
you know, I don't want to say legend, but he's definitely an experienced fighter that's been in the UFC for some time. I think that the only way that I can see this uh, not being so well is Kai Car France doesn't have, I believe, the gas tank uh, that Brandon Royale is going to have. Uh, Brandon is a guy that even on a short notice against Tim Elliott showed a great gas tank. I think keeping that through and through, especially in the flyweight division, if you can just keep that energy going, you'll kind of squeak out a decision. I love, I love plus 200 on this. So I'm going to take Brandon. Oh boy. I really didn't think we were going to be this far apart, but here we are. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Uh, only female fight on the, uh, on the main card here. Admittedly, Drew, uh, women's MMA is a coin flip betting wise. Um, it's about a 50, 50 shot. You can completely disregard the, the odds we're about to give you here. Uh, Sachira Eubanks making the quick turnaround at six and four, taking on Ketlin Vieira, who's coming back after getting knocked out by Irene Aldana uh, back in December. At what I think it was Vieira is the minus minus one seventy favorite taking on Eubanks, making the quick turnaround fight Island. Um, what do you think here? We we going with the the jujitsu black belt, former oh, uh, jujitsu world champion? Or are we taking on Ketlin Vieira? Oh man! Especially <laughs> like I'm so unaware of. There's no team. wrong answer here. There's no wrong answer. So I'm, I I would literally just like throw a dart. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with Eubanks. Um, you know she's the underdog, right? Yep. Yep. Plus one forty. Yep. I'm go with her. Um, you know. I, Honestly, it's the only name that I actually recognize. And coming off of a very recent win and being a black belt, I think she'll take it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Trey, I think you're I think you're leaning Vieira here. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm I'm leaning just because we've seen Sajara not do too well against heavier fighters, and Vieira's gonna come in the much heavier fighter. We saw Sajara not do well against obviously Beth, uh, Aspen Ladd, who's a great grappler, and then Beth Korea. Um, I like Caitlin in this. I think she's got uh, obviously the better striking. Stay away from the ground. I think that um, while I believe Caitlin has a black belt in, in jiu-jitsu, uh, Sajara is a legit uh, jiu-jitsu pra- practitioner. So I'm going to go with Caitlin. Hopefully she can stay on the feet. And if it does go to the ground, I think that the weight's going to play a big, big uh, choice in this for sure. So fun fact, just peel back the curtain a little bit here, Drew, is that when we're betting women's MMA, Trey and I actually – throw darts at a board and just see who who's going to win because nine times out of 10, that's that's literally how it is because all things considered the power almost gets eliminated when it comes to women's fights. So it's who can be, who's technically better, who's better on the ground because you can almost, almost depending on the woman eliminate power out of the equation here. Um, so it's kind of who's got the better overall skill set. My own motivation is a huge factor in these female fights. I mean, we're seeing tons of upsets in the, the female division. I think, you know, wh- whichever female is the most hungry the wants it the most, you know, and that, that no quit attitude is what's carrying them. I mean, I, honestly, you know, I think females, yeah, lack the power, but they make up in technique. And so where their athleticism comes from is just how excited they are for this particular fight. Yeah, I mean, you listen, Team Elevation just notched the biggest upset win of the year uh, in your teammate Shayna Dobson, plus 800, getting that win over Agapova, who admittedly, I'm just to full disclosure, we were on Agapova there. Well, we did not think that, you know, uh, Shayna was going to get it done. I think that's the only time that we've actually faded an Elevation fighter all year long. And you know what happened? We got our ass handed to us on a fight where she was admittedly an eight to one underdog. I mean, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I think motivation and hunger and heart plays a huge factor in it. 
I'm going to take, listen, I'm going to take Vieira, but I like what you're saying here. It makes me want to take Eubanks, but I'm going to stay away from saying, I'm not going to be wooed by this. I'm going to stay. I'm staying the course here. I was initially on Vieira. I'm going to stay on Vieira here. You're not getting me again. You, you swayed me once. You won't do it twice. All right. Last fight hey, of the main thank, card. Thank Drew. you, Dale. Because if you were going to go the other way, I was going to be like, Drew, just change his name right now. He'll do that as well. <laughs> oh, All right, here we go. Let's, let's do this last fight of the main card. Um, all right, last fight of the main card. Featherweight bout. Hakeem Dawadu, 11-1-1, taking on Trey. Do you want to pronounce this guy's name, or do you want me to go ahead and pronounce it? Dawadu or? Oh, no, geez. no. Dawadu, I had that right. So okay, I got that one wrong. <laughs> okay, so let, let's get let who's who's he fighting? Turkagov. What's his first name? Zubaira. Zubara. I think Zubara. I think I think I honestly I think Drew is right. I think it's a soft A. I think it's Zubara Tukhagov. And I think you like throw the uh, all of the last ones together. Tuhagov. I think it's I don't think I don't think the K comes in. I think it's Tuhagov. Okay. Um, I want to hear Drew say it because he crushed uh, Diego Ferreira earlier. So I know. I'm going to go with two golfs. Two I honestly don't know either athlete, and uh, I can't see an image of them right now. So it's not ringing any bell. So I literally just going with that guy because I want to pronounce his name. Tukagov's the one that jumped the cage after the Khabib Connor fight, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll call it a sucker punch. Sucker punch Connor when Connor wasn't looking. Yeah. Oh, um, because I <laughs> I watched the video and in slow motion. I feel like Connor won the exchange in the sucker punch because <laughs> <laughs> I felt like there was a slipping counter. <laughs> but uh, I mean, honestly, I didn't even know it was that guy, and I haven't even seen him fight other than his unpaid performance in the UFC. Gotcha. So knowing that he can't knock somebody out, even when they don't see the punch coming, how are you going on this fight? Uh, that's as far as betting favorites go uh, to is just an ever so slight favorite over Dewadu here. Um, just sheer instinct. I wish I had any more of a summary, but that's it. <laughs> oh, it works. It works. I think, to to Dale's point, and you know him jumping over the cage, we all know that Tukagov is a teammate of Khabib, um, so that you know poses a little bit of weight there. Dale and I have this thing where any Dagestanian uh, fighter with a neck beard is already scary, so um, I think that's uh, you got to give him some points there. He's only had one loss, Hanato Moikano, which is a pretty legit fighter as well. Um, on the flip side. TJ Laramie, I've got to go back to our, our last card here. I swore I was not going to bet on any Canadians going forward uh, because of the TJ Laramie fight. So that just poses another piece to it that makes me want to go Turkogov. Um, I like Turkogov. I think this is a great fight to start the card. This is going to be fireworks. Both these guys um, are aggressive on uh, in striking. I say Turkogov is probably a little bit better on the ground. So if someone does get clipped, I like Turkogov to take this on the ground, utilize his ground and pound. Um, but it's a firework fight to start off this card, so it's going to be awesome. All right, so where are you landing? I'm going uh, Turkogov. All right, I'll take. I'll, I'm going to take him as well for all the reasons you said. Plus, I think he's going to have the cardio advantage. Um, yes, uh, we just haven't seen a Canadian fare very well lately. Uh, you brought up TJ Laramie, and that's brave of you to do because we were heavy on TJ Laramie yeah. last last event, and he. Did not live up to the hype uh, coming off Contender Series, so that was that's definitely something to take into consideration. So, Drew, we've 
done the entire main card, let me ask you this. This is a stacked pay-per-view. Do you want to do the prelims with us as well, or do you have other stuff to do? I want to be respectful for your of your time, man. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to do the prelims. Plus, I don't know if I actually know who was all fighting <laughs> on the prelims. You're literally just like showing me the card for the first time ever. <laughs> I usually just surprise myself and not look at the card until it's game time. Right, right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So here's the thing. Here's my hope for you moving forward, man. You know, obviously you're doing well. You're healthy. You're happy. I hope that continues. And I'm going to be pushing for that main event spot for you and Diego, man. I think that that yeah. would be an absolute uh, cracker of an opportunity for you. You definitely deserve it. Um, you know, we've talked to quite a few people in the sport and you continue to be, you know, my favorite person to talk to. I'll fanboy out every time you come on the show, man. You've got a, a resident seat whenever you want to come back. Um, I, I wish you nothing but the best, man. Seriously. Appreciate it as much as possible. I mean, I'm going to be in the main event sooner than later. I mean, if it's yeah. not this year, then definitely 2021. That's what I'm pushing for. But uh, as, as long as there's more eyes on my performances, that's all I care about. And uh, more opportunities to talk to with you guys. Well, again, appreciate you coming on. And I will definitely pick up some boxed wine uh, when your fight's ready to go to really make sure the juju's there. We'll be good. And Thank you so listen, much. your T-shirt is coming. Listen, we I want to I want to touch on this real quick. Your T-shirt is coming. We had a thing where we ordered some. They came in. They did not look good. Your T-shirt's coming. We might even have to adjust yours as like a repeat guest style. We might have to put some sort of repeat guest moniker on it. The shirt's coming. Do not lose faith I mean, in us. We in all honesty, that's why I've been shirtless in all my Instagram photos. <laughs> I'm to get this at Goodwill today. I've been waiting for your guys' shirt as it arrives. I've been shirtless ever since. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're, we're, we know winter's coming. We're going to do our best to clothe you. So that way, <laughs> that way you've got something to wear. But listen, you know, obviously we'll be in touch prior to the fight, but, you know, we'd love to have you on again. And best of luck to you moving forward, man, with your camp and everything. And like I said, you've got a seat whenever you want it. You know, now that we're doing the live show, all you got to do is just hop in and, you, you know, the, the mic's yours whenever you need it, man. You guys are incredible. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate Thanks, you, man. Jim. Thank you. Trey Van Buskirk. Listen, I, I I like Drew Dober a lot, man. I really do. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough nice things about him. Do you want to say anything nice about him? Do you, you want to go say something? If I had to search for something mean, there's no way I could do it. The guy's class act, legit, motivating. I feel like uh, the people that we've had on as of recently, they're all just, man, just wants you to wake up in the morning, rip some pre-workout and go rip someone's head off in a nice manner, though. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird to be that happy all the time. He's very jovial, right? We can get that, right? Oh, insane. That guy's never seen a rain cloud yeah. in his entire life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and and you know, to the to the effect of, of the chat here, you know, we didn't we didn't come to an agreed nickname on him. Um we need to get him one, you know, I, I think Mini Costa could work. Um, our, our lightweight Costa, I think is, is good, a good placeholder for the time being. Uh, but yeah, an absolute stand up dude, but Trey, let's break down this main card. Let's, you know, we're approaching time here. Uh, let, let's, or the prelims rather, let's, let's yeah. break down the prelims. Let's start from, let's do it how we normally do. Uh, we'll start from the bottom. We'll work our way up to the top here to the feature prelim. Light heavyweight bout, Kitas, uh, uh, sorry, Kitas Abrigamov taking on, uh, how do you say? It? Is it Danilo? Danio? 
Danilo, yeah. Danilo, uh, Marquise. Eight and three for Abrigamov, nine and two for Marquise. Abrigamov, slight favor here, minus 155. Marquise coming back, plus 135. I like Abrigamov here. Uh, uh, admittedly, though, his last fight did not impress me at all. I am nervous at him at a minus 155. Yeah, he definitely has the experience. This is a super tough one to start the prelims off with. Um, I say that because Marquise, if you look at him, the dude is massive. Um, we were chatting with a fellow listener uh, yesterday, and uh, an image popped up of him actually cornering uh, Shogun earlier this year, and the guy looks like straight-up Andre the Giant. Um, on top of that, he's a good grappler. Um, so I think, like you said, I was unimpressed uh, with uh, Ibrigamov's first fight. Um, I think that Danilo can get this done. I think the grappling is going to fare in his advantage. And when you're looking at you know light heavyweights, you know, that – that weight differential makes a difference, especially when you're grappling. So I'm going to take a flyer here on Danilo at plus 135. Oh, so you're switching the game up on me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I am. Okay. Fair enough. I'll go with Brighamoff. I'll take a Brighamoff. All okay. right, let's keep things rolling with the big boys here. Juan Espino, 22-month layoff, coming back 9-1, and one, taking on Jeff Hughes at 10-3. and three. I think this is another one where you and I are going to go in a different direction. Um Juan Espino minus 300 versus Jeff Hughes plus 240. You hate that price point. I can tell by your body language and your demeanor. You hate that price. Uh, you liking Jeff Hughes here plus 240? I, I've i gone so back and forth on this one because Jeff Hughes is a one-trick pony. Jeff Hughes has heavy, heavy hands. He's a shark that smells blood in the water, and he's one. he can do one thing and just absolutely murder you. I think uh, Espino is a type of guy. He hasn't fought since 2018, so while I think maybe he's a little bit more well-rounded, um, I think on the ground, standing up, he's going to be the more technical striker. It makes me nervous. I haven't fought since 2018. Jeff Hughes has got that heavy hand. I think when you have that long flight, you're going to have a depletion in cardio. Both these guys are not going to make this go the distance. So to say that Espino is going to actually utilize his grappling past a round and a half doesn't make much sense. Ah, man, I've gone back and forth. I'm going to take Espino right now up until I see weigh-ins. I want to see what both these guys look like after a long flight. Um, but Jeff Hughes... It wouldn't be a bad pick. That guy can get it done with those heavy hands. Yeah, he's got he's got freaking lunch boxes for for mitts, man. He is a he, he's a big, thick boy, thick yeah. like, thick a, boy. like a like a bowl of oatmeal with no with no milk in it. Thick that dude is <laughs> thick. Anyway, uh, Espino is going to have the hand speed advantage, right? He obviously has a ground advantage, but he's faster. He's he's got quick hands. Yeah. for a heavyweight, he is quick, man. Um, you know, it, that's my biggest thing with him is he is legitimately, um, just as, uh, look, I like Espino here. I don't love him at the price of minus 300. Cause I think right. Jeff Hughes can win this fight at plus 240. from yeah. a betting perspective. I'm staying away from it, but yeah. if we're going beard versus entree, I'm going to go ahead and take, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take my man Espino here. God, you say entree so perfectly, man. I, I'm going to be honest. I love the switch up now. Entree. Yeah. For those of you who are uninitiated to this new switch from entree, is Trey got chastised by those. Oh, geez. Whoa. That was wild. Sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen. Um, Trey got chastised by those in the Hawaiian community for not actually being from <laughs> Hawaii. So we had to switch it up. Trey will no longer be referred to as the flying Hawaiian. He will be referred to as the entree. Um, so you can either bet the beard or you can order the entree. You can no longer fly Hawaiian because that has somehow been taken from us because apparently Trey has not earned such a title. So all that to say, let's keep things moving here. Alexa Kamer at 6-0, and oh, taking on William Knight, 8-1 and one here. 
What do you think is going to go on here with this fight, Trey? Uh, both of these guys, light heavyweights. It's a heavier card. A lot of thick boys on this card. Alexa Kamer looking great. Uh, like I said, undefeated. Got a decent price on him at minus 160. William Knight coming in a little bit short notice, plus 140. I kind of like Kamer to get it done here at a minus 160. I think he's more than capable. He's more than capable, and when you have a training partner like Stipe um, in your corner, I don't know if he'll actually be in the corner, but trains the same camp, training partner of Stipe. I think uh, Kamer can for sure get this going. Knight's got a lot of lot of hype behind him. Um, he absolutely murdered, um, blanking on the name of the guy at the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, but Cody Brundage. Cody, Cody Brundage. Yeah, Cody um, Brundage married to Amanda Bobby Cooper, former UFC ooh, alum. I like there you that. Go. Sorry. Um, I just think uh, if you're if you're training with Stipe, you're gonna at least gonna have the fight IQ there. Um, I think that man, I think that Knight's gonna come in a little bit overzealous. I could see that mm. happening. I mm. think Camer's uh, gonna be a little bit more calm, cool, collected, and composed in there. Um, I think when you're going to fight Allen, you got to be that a little bit more level-headed. You know the the angst, the energy that comes in there. You know, in a brand new land, so to speak. I'm gonna go with the calm and cool, collected Camer to get this thing done. I'm going with Kamer as well. Minus 160. I like the price on him too. All right, man. Ludovic Klein taking on Shane Young. Um, I mean, here we are, man. City kickboxing, making go ahead and, and getting things started here. Um, Ladovic Klein stepping in a little bit short notice, 16 and 2 over Shane Young, 13 and 4. I'm gonna be honest with you, and I, I know our boys uh, you know, in Australia, New Zealand area are not gonna be happy about this, but I think Shane Young is the weak link in this chain. And I feel like he could be the catalyst. I know Drew Drew said that, you know, uh, domino effect doesn't exist. But I really think that as far as the dominoes go, Shane Young is a weird one to have up first because he is really likely to get beat on Saturday night. I like Ladovic Klein here at minus 105. I'm going to take him over Shane Young. I don't I don't Shane Young is is all over the map for me. Shane Young, he he fought Volkanovsky. And I mean, lost. Um, okay, so that means nothing to me. Does it though? I, I'd have to fare a little bit to to concede to the the resume uh, type chatter. Um, and I say that when you fight someone like Volkanovski, he's coming off back to back wins. Um, I like Young in this fight. I just don't see a short notice fighter inclined taking this short notice in Abu Dhabi. Is totally different, man. Wow, it, it eliminates short notice because you have to be there the same amount of time as everybody else. You get there the week prior to your fight. Yeah, but you have zero camp, you have zero cardio, and that flight will drain you. You want to see the, the weigh-ins at Fight Island. I implore everyone to watch the weigh-ins because you're going to see sunken in, trying to cut weight in a room, not allowed to go anywhere, quarantined for 10 days, people's body to, oh, sh- what? It's two days, 48 hours. You're quarantined for 48 hours? Yeah, I thought it was like a week or something ridiculous. It was back then, but now, dude, bro, we got we got advanced COVID COVID testing now. You're oh, testing before you even get on a plane. It's two it's two days, bro. You're oh, there for forty eight hours, and then you're out. Okay, okay. You're making a valid point, right? Let's wait and see what weigh ins look like. I'm initially penciling myself in for Klein here. Short notice fighters have been running rough shot recently. They've been That's destroying true. bets. Um, they've been destroying parlays. I'm gonna put Klein. Like we just heard Drew talk about, he's gonna be he's gonna be hungry, he's gonna be motivated, he's getting a shot, and he's doing it on one of the biggest pay per views. If not, uh, it it'll be one of the biggest pay per views because the Gaethje and uh, Khabib one is gonna yeah. be the biggest pay per view there. Probably either the 
it's going to be a top five pay-per-view of the year. He's getting a shot uh, and he's taking on a guy like Shane Young, who, if you win, immediately puts you in a great spot in the division. I'm initially pencil me in for Klein here, minus 105, but everybody needs to check our Instagram post the day of the fights just to make sure that I didn't switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my one piece to that, again, I don't want to go off the resume thing, but it's just like what we talk about when you're training at a better gym, you're getting better looks. When you fought someone like Volkanovsky, you're getting a better look. Klein hasn't had any legit looks. This is a look he's coming off back to back wins. He's got the momentum again. Let's see what he does at weigh-ins. We'll put it on our Instagram. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Keep things moving here. Jake Matthews taking on the rooster himself. He's calling himself the dream, but I'm going with the rooster because he comes out and he's spitting spit bubbles everywhere. School of self-awareness, which we know is one of the most premier gyms in all of the land. Um, Head coach, you know, Joshua Fabia, who's just, you know, admittedly one of the most sought after combat instructors on the planet Earth. Diego Sanchez, 30 and 12, taking on Jake Matthews at 16 and 4. I've got feelings about this fight here, Trey. Jake Matthews is at a minus 700. Diego is at a plus 500. But, Trey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm feeling a certain type of way about this fight, dude. I'm feeling a certain type of way. There's only one way to feel about this. But I'd love to hear your logic as to if just there's con- a different way. Just convince me otherwise. Just con- here's your chance to convince me otherwise. Okay. I'm not, not going to get I see plus 500 and I think five to one on my money. I think $5 for every $1 I bet. And I think about how much money that I have left in my grandma's pension that I can leverage on a tough one winner like Diego Sanchez. Tell me I shouldn't do it. Convince well, me I don't do it. If you need me. The, well, if you need the odds, then why don't you do it on a prop bet like uh Diego wins by DQ at plus like 600 because that's the only way he's going to win this fight. Um, I say that because, guys, we have to look at his training. This school of self-awareness with Joshua Fabia is an absolute joke. I, I'm i sorry to those that actually take the mental health side of that because maybe that does help them from a spiritual side. But when it comes to a physicality side, it's an absolute joke. D- Diego has been training. This is no joke. Joshua Fabia has been holding a fake knife and trying to stab Diego as Diego does the Vietnamese waltz to get out of the way and subdue what is the attacker. If that is your training going into Jake Matthews, you're off your rocker. We know he's been off his rocker for a little bit, but Joshua Fabia is not doing him any any favors whatsoever. There is no way we're going to see the Diego that everyone wants to remember of five years ago. Well, here's the thing, and this is what you're not taking into account when you talk about my man, Diego Sanchez, is that not only will Joshua Fabia be in his corner, but Stefan fucking Bonner will be there as well. Oh man. We're reaching back. You're talking about a guy that's being cornered by Stefan Bonner and Joshua Fabia. I challenge (laughs) you to find two dudes that you'd rather have in a bar fight than Stefan Bonner, Joshua Fabia. Who do you want on your side in a bar fight? If not those two guys, who do you want? I would take uh, Jason Mayhem Miller and Forrest Griffin to offset your Stefan Bonner. I'm gonna be honest; those are two excellent picks, and I wasn't expecting you to be able to be so quick on your feet. Those are really great bang, selection. Bang 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 Colombian <laughs> bang bang. All right, listen. Uh, in, in all honesty, here plus five hundred. It's really hard to when you look at a guy that has the skill set that Diego Sanchez has. He does have that. He didn't lose 
those skills. He's just bought into some guru's nonsense, right? And if things really, if, if things really hit the fan, you would like to think that on a primal level, he would be able to summon the skills that he want, that he's had, which would be fundamental wrestling, right? That, that intense top pressure, endless cardio wrestling. We've seen that give Jake Matthews fits in the past. Jake Matthews has had a hard time with cardio in the past. If Diego comes out and turns into cardio King Diego, he can absolutely get this done. If the same Diego that fought Mickey Gall shows up and fights Jake Matthews, he can win this fight. And I, I genuinely mean that. But if the Diego Sanchez that showed up that fought Michael Chiesa, the, the one that showed up to fight Michelle Pereira, if those two show up, it's going to be a brutally long night for Diego Sanchez. I don't think Jake Matthews is going to knock him out. And Diego's never, never been submitted, so I don't see him getting submitted. I think that Jake Matthews by decision is the most valuable play that you can get here. If you're not going to play Diego personally, I'm avoiding this fight altogether. I don't see value on any of these guys. Maybe Diego, if you're, you've had a couple beers and you just want to throw five bucks on it just to make 25, you can do it, but I'm avoiding this fight like crazy, but just know that Diego has in his possession somewhere in the Rolodex of stupidity that he's got going on right now, the skills to win this fight. He does. It's so funny. You say that. I had a couple beers today and I did put five dollars down on Diego. So see, there you go. All right. Featured prelim, and then we'll put a bow on this thing. We're gonna announce beer money giveaway or betting giveaway. And then we also want to give a shout out to the uh we're gonna do the punchless parlay as well. So um just throwing that out there. Okay. Actually, we're gonna give credit to the punchless parlay and then we're gonna post it on Instagram. So yeah. anyway, here we go. Um Featured prelim, Alex Da Silva at 21-2, taking on Brad Quake Riddell at 8-1. and one. Look, man, uh, Riddell minus 330, you know, on the, on the betting line here. I think that's super generous, yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, da Silva at plus 250, boy, I like that. I, I don't love him in the fight, but I like the betting line. So here's the issue that I'm running into with these things, is I like the betting line more than I like the fight. Because I, I think if I look at – plus 250 and i think can alex da silva win this i definitely think he can i think minus 330 is pretty steep for for brad riddell especially after shane young loses to you know ledevic klein i really like that fight yeah whoa whoa you almost had me trip up into that one that's not happening um uh brad riddell there's a couple of reasons why the line's you know, that heavy one, his last fight over Mustaev was, was super decisive. And I'm pretty sure Brad Riddell took that on a, a last minute notice. Didn't even have a full camp behind him. Um, fact, fact. Um, I, it doesn't hurt obviously that he's a training partner with Israel Adesanya. Um, it's the same thing we were talking with Dober. Am I going to put more money on Dober, uh, because he's been training with Justin Gaethje all this time? Absolutely. When you're training with the best of the best, you're getting good looks. Uh, you're going to fare well in your fight. I think that if in fact we don't see the cookie crumble, we don't see the dominoes fall. I like Brad in this fight. I do think that line is extremely disrespectful, uh, but he's he's worth throwing on a parlay for sure. Okay, so here's my thing with Alex da Silva is the wealth of experience, right? We're talking about a guy that's got almost three times as many fights as Brad Riddell. So mm. the, the wealth of experience, whether it comes from lower level competition or not, he, we're talking about a guy that does have – 23 professional fights um and there is there are experiences learned in 23 professional fights there's experiences learned in 23 camps getting ready for those professional fights yeah there is a wealth of experience that comes with that and we've seen time and time again experience pays dividends in the octagon so all that to say um 
I'll, I'll put Riddell down uh, here, but I'm not completely convinced that I'm not going to go with Silva as far as betting goes. So fair. let's recap these real quick, okay? Let's go back through these, rifle them off. Abrigamov, Marquise, you're going with? I'm going with uh, Marquise. And I'm taking Abrigamov. Espino versus Hughes, I'm taking Espino tentatively. I am, I'm doing the exact same thing, yep. Okay, Kamer versus Knight, leaning Kamer. Kamer. Ladovic Klein, Shane Young. I'm going Klein right now, subject to change come weigh-ins. I'm going to be taking uh, Shane Young. Jake Matthews versus Diego Sanchez. I'm going with Jake Matthews here, but I am going to throw five bucks on Diego Sanchez. Already threw five bucks on Diego Sanchez, but going Jake Matthews. Alex De Silva versus Brad Riddell. Don't really like this fight all that much. Might play Riddell depending on whether or not uh, Diego Sanchez hits, but I'm going to lean Riddell. I like Riddell as well. Okay. Hakeem Dewadu versus Ibir Tukagov. I'm taking Tukagov. Tukagov. And then Drew took Tukagov as well, correct? Yes. All right. So Jari Eubanks versus Ketlin Vieira. Uh, Drew went Eubanks. I'm going Vieira. You're going Vieira as yep. well, correct? All right. Correct. And then Kai Car France versus Brandon Royval. I'm taking Car France. You're taking Royval. And Drew went with Car France, correct? Yep. Excellent. And then Blahovitz versus Reyes. I'm taking Jan. God, you are out of your mind. Uh, Reyes. And I think Drew took Reyes as well. And then Izzy Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. I'm taking Costa. Yep, I'm on that train with you as well. All right, and then he's taking Israel. All right, man, let's give away some beer money. Yes. Hmm. All right, first of all, if you want to be entered to win beer money, all you got to do is leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you can't leave us a five-star review on iTunes, leave us a review anywhere else where you can find our show or subscribe to the YouTube channel and let us know that you did so or hit us up on Instagram at punchlistmma. Let us know that you can't leave a review, you can't subscribe, you can't do these things, whatever, and we'll throw your name on the list. Anyway, Trey, I've got 115 names on the list. 115. All right, let's randomly generate this thing. I want to put out a quick PSA. If, in fact, you do win the beer money tonight, um, please obviously post a photo of it. Tag at, at Punchless MMA that we got your six-pack. If, in fact, you choose to get a seltzer, please never listen to the show again. That is weak shit, and we will not we will not uh, permit it going forward. You're a dude who drank a seltzer on our show before. Not the time, Dale. Fair not enough. Right. the time. 115 names. Here we go. It's a dark time in my life. Here we go. Hush. It's It's... Here we go. <laughs> we have our first repeat winner. No, we can't we do. do that. We can't, can't do it. We can't do a repeat. Okay. All right. No, no. Sorry. <laughs> our first repeat winner. All right, here we go. No white claw. All right. No way. <laughs> All right. The winner. Keep in mind, this is a double up on the beer money because uh, PVT Detect did not claim last time. Um, so this is a double up. We've got win. the winner is Pats for Life 13160. Pats for Life 13160. You are our beer money giveaway. It's a double beer money giveaway win. Uh, all you got to do is hit us up on Instagram or shoot us an email at chat at punchlessmma to claim your winnings. Love it. All right, Trey. This is your time. This is it. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm saying this. This is. Uh. We're back to Fight Island. Let's all get our our drinks together. Let's get our back scratchers. Let's kick back. Let's make some cash. Um. Guys, if you uh, 
know someone that has not been made aware of this uh, podcast, please obviously share it with them. Uh, show that now we are on YouTube live. Um, so if are you if you are listening to the audio formation of this, know that you can go on YouTube, type in the Punchlist MMA, and you will see Dale's gorgeous beard and my sweet red Hawaiian shirt tonight. Um, outside of that, thank you guys all so much for the support. Awesome. Yeah. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is by supporting our sponsors. Go to Stay Classy Meat uh, and use promo code FIST to save 10% or go to allegianceclothing.com. Use promo code PUNCH. FIST. What is it? PUNCH. Mm. PUNCH. That's right. PUNCH. And uh, it'll save you 15% off site-wide. Shout out to Drew Dober. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate you. Uh, be sure to follow us on all our social channels at Punchlist MMA everywhere you can find us and chat at punchlistmma.com uh, for the email. Pats for Life 13160. Come and get your beer money. Be good to each other. See everybody on Saturday night. Fight Island. Let's get it. UFC 253. Appreciate everybody that tuned into the live show. Everybody that downloads the show. I freaking love you guys. Can't wait to share what's coming. So happy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.